This episode is brought to you by Push Messaging God's Urban Airship. They can be found at urbanairship.com and by ThinkNear. Their location score platform delivers the most accurate location targeting available on mobile. Visit them at locationscore.com. Now, on to the show. everybody and welcome to untethered.tv i'm your host and founder rob woodbridge today's episode features a canadian company called canopy labs and i'm speaking with their ceo Wojciech gritz he is a based in toronto and i caught up with him there to talk about what canopy labs does um, and I'm, it's actually very interesting because he leverages big data for small businesses to be able to understand what past purchases means on future purchases. Listen, the whole focus here, and for him anyways, is uh, on driving revenue from people that are already in your system. We do a deep dive into what the company is. We also do a deep dive into how this imp impacts mobile. Obviously, this is very important to you guys that listen to this show. And also, we take a look at some of the big challenges that Canopy Labs has seen in the industry and how they've overcome it. This is all about big data for small businesses. This is all about using big data in order to understand how to sell to your existing customer base, not push them ads. Without further ado, here is Wojciech. Welcome, Wojciech. Thank you for coming on to Untether.tv and sharing your story. Man, how's Toronto? Toronto's wonderful, nice and sunny. Love being here. <laughs> Love being here. What Wojciech is not telling you is the fact that he has just landed literally from London with no sleep and he's still agreed to do this episode. <laughs> so I, I appreciate it. Thank you very much. And I'm hoping that what it means is that, you know, we have a great conversation because of sleep deprivation. That sound good? It'll certainly be it'll certainly be more honest. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Just don't cry, man. No crying on the show. Uh, no crying? Just me. I'm the only one that's allowed to cry. Fair? Hopefully, I won't be making you cry, though, but sure. Okay. Well, you know what? That's never happened. Come on. <laughs> That's the challenge out there for you guys out there who's gonna, who are going to be guests on here. If you can make me cry, you win something, I'm sure. Uh, Wojciech, okay, so uh, Canopy Labs. Uh, tell me about Canopy Labs. Uh, Toronto-based Canadian company, Y Combinator, funded, boom, back and forth to London in a day. Uh, what is Canopy Labs? Sure. Well, Canopy Labs is a predictive customer analytics tool. Uh, what we do is we take all the data a business has about its customers, transactions, email activity, web activity, any sort of behavior. We centralize it and predict what people will do next. So what will they buy? When will they do it? How will they do it? At what price point? Uh, businesses typically use us to optimize their sales and marketing, to personalize the emails they send, to personalize their websites, or to send offers to those customers right when they're most likely to make a sale, whether that's through the phone or potentially a mobile technology. So you're collecting this data from where? Is it just you're buying data, you're collecting it natively? You know, it's a, we're, we're collecting it natively. So we don't go out and collect completely new data that a business doesn't have access to. What we do is merge all the data sets that the business already has. It's really amazing how many data sources a business has access to without always knowing. I mean, if you're using, if you're sending emails, you can probably track them if you're not already doing it. All your website visitors are generating data nonstop. Most people don't actually realize they could use all of that for marketing and sales. So you're basically taking existing data. I mean, what's the minimum amount of data or sources of data that you can leverage to be able to be effective for companies these days? 
Just one, past purchases. Really? So, okay. we, you know, that's one of the things that's really unique about Canopy Labs is the fact that we've built this platform without making any assumptions about what data is available because every company is different. So for us, if you have purchased data, we can take that and actually predict what people will buy next. If you give us email data on top of that, the models just become more accurate and, and better at predicting those things. But all you really need is those past purchases. So, I mean, walk me through this because I always think, you know, our debit system up here in Canada, it's Interac, not with a T, mm -hmm. it's called Interac. <laughs> um, and uh, this is, I mean, Canadians have been pervasive uh, Interac users. We use it all the time. None of us carry cash anymore. We're, we're pin and chip. We're well beyond the U.S. when it comes to debit accessibility mm -hmm. and, and cashless society. Um, well, I always think of those guys as having the ultimate database of uh, data. Of They know everything that I've bought for the last 20 years, pretty much. And they mm -hmm. comfortably could predict when my car needs gas, what I buy at the grocery store, when I'm going to buy my next pair of shoes, what technology I'm going to buy, you know, my likelihood of buying an iPhone 6 versus an Android device. They know mm -hmm. all that stuff. Uh, this that that is how rich the data is on purchase history. So, you know, what this is, how do you end up being able to predict based on somebody's past history, even if I bought one thing, you can do that? Uh, well, one thing makes it a little di more difficult, but certainly there's a lot of businesses that have repeat purchasers. And um, it's, it's a very similar type of technology, actually. I mean, Interact, one of the best examples of, of, of really any card-based system is fraud detection. Yes. They've been looking at fraud they've been trying to prevent it for decades now and they're very very good at it every time you you know if you're traveling or if you go to a new store that you've never been to before sometimes those purchases get canceled um our view on all of this was to say well what about the businesses themselves you know forget interact forget the banks what about the mom and pop shop or the online retailer that only has limited insight into those purchases the ones that you actually make on their website can they also use the same type of technology the same type of mathematics to make similar predictions instead of preventing fraud though maybe they're looking at you know likelihood to buy again um, it's very very difficult in today's uh, uh, society to keep customers happy and to keep them loyal I mean, it's, you know, you guys focus on marketing on this show, and that's a perfect example. It's such an aggressive space. So the more personalized and individualized you can make it, the better. Um, hope that answers the question. Well, it does. <laughs> you know, well, what's interesting about it is that, uh, you know, Gary Vaynerchuk is very famous to, uh, you know, mm -hmm. in uh, the thank you economy. He talks about this whole uh, migration back into, you know, business in the 1930s, 1940s, the, the uh, you know, the community grocery store where, where you could walk in as a consumer and, and you know, Bill behind the counter knew exactly what kind of cut of beef you needed. And, and, and you mm. know, they knew exactly what wine you drank. And they knew exactly what you needed from this grocery store. They called you by name. It was very personal. Um, and ultimately, I think they were trying to, uh, you know, now use data to emulate that kind of responsiveness and, uh, you know, feeling of comfort into these stores. Am I way off on that? Because I think that what we're doing now in this year, 2014, uh, you know, we had accomplished on a micro scale in the early days of retail with Sam Walmart and, and all of the other, uh, you know, retailers back then. It's a perfect analogy, actually. Uh, I think the that today people are expecting a similar type of experience. Obviously, it's not scalable. If you're a sports team or a Daily Deals website, you have millions of customers. You can't have someone sitting there thinking, well, what will Rob be buying today? Maybe I should email him. And it, you'd go out of business. It'd be a great way to go out of business very quickly. But that's the beauty of the this algorithmic approach instead. 
I'll actually give you an example sure. of a daily deal site we work with uh, called Wagjag. So we've been working with them for quite a while now. The typical approach in daily deals is to write a curated email. Everyone in Toronto or everyone in a certain region will get an email based on whatever deals are available in that area. But you and I, we might both be living in Toronto, but we're different people. You might like grocery deals. I might prefer deals that relate to new experiences. You might be looking for ideas for the weekend. I might be just looking for whatever's the cheapest thing I could possibly be doing because it's the only thing I can afford. There's lots of reasons why you and I could be buying those daily deals. So being able to segment individuals and ideally being able to do that automatically so that you're constantly updating that segmentation means you and I can both feel like there's someone at WagJag curating and writing an email for me. I might even know that it's fully automated, but if the deal is relevant and makes me happier, then why not? And especially if it allows me to get less emails at times because we're all getting bombarded by emails all the time from various different companies. Uh, it's a great example. And, and uh, you know, the Daily Deal is obviously one of the first companies to really appreciate this, that we're not the same based on our postal code, right? We have different mm -hmm. likes based on neighbors have different likes. It's weird. Oh, I know. Yeah. Individuals <laughs> have different likes. It's weird. Um, uh, but th that point that you made, it's, it's interesting because even if we know that this is an automated system, you know, it, it does does that detract from it, like from a, from a loyalty standpoint? You know, I like... Here, I mean, I, I like going into a grocery store and saying, hey, mm -hmm. Rob, it's good to see you again. Uh, you know, hey, the Yankees, they suck. You know, whatever it is, some kind of personal <laughs> piece, right? Sure. Um, and uh, something that, that people know of me. And, and that was like our grocery store here when I grew up in the city, uh, in Ottawa. And, and, you know, it had that feeling of recognition. Like we go into mm -hmm. a restaurant, you get recognized and, and it's they know what you want. Uh, you, you know, it's mm -hmm. that kind of feeling. But then I get these emails and it's like, uh, you know, from, from marketers and, uh, and it's like, Dear Rob in capital letters, right? And, uh, you know, with a different font and, and uh, it's all automated. You know it. And even though the deal may be good, my frustration level is up and my loyalty is down because they didn't, they don't care. They didn't mm. care enough to fix the things like that. And it's very obvious. Do you find, do you run into those issues or am I just an odd guy? No, you're, you're right. I mean, execution is a big part of it. And that's still something that a lot of companies are learning and grappling with. You know, you don't want to be overt. You don't want to remind people that you can observe a lot of different details about them. Those aren't necessarily good things. And that's actually that. that and it, it's really a subtle uh, uh, a variation on the email, like even to your point, using capitals instead of, you know, one capital letter and then all lower cases if someone wrote it rather than having a system coming, uh, bringing it from a database. A lot of that is really important, but I'm going to put my ruthless capitalist hat on for sure. a minute and say, you know what, ultimately though, um, a lot of businesses, number one, if they're growing, can't have that personal relationship anyway. So, you know, that that's almost, you're right, going back 50 years or, or 70 years, it would be great to have that sort of relationship, but that's simply not possible for most businesses. And number two, what we really ultimately say is, does it grow your revenue and does it grow other metrics you're tracking, whether that's engagement or net promoter score. Because even if some people are a little put off by it, if the majority of your customers are now more loyal and they're spending more money, then ultimately your business is a healthier business. Um, it's a little more ruthless. That's callous, man. It works. That's <laughs> exactly. callous. <laughs> but you know what? If it works, it's great, right? I, I know. And, and you know, there's, there's always going to be a few casualties as you go through this process. But, uh, you know, I had an experience last summer where, where I uh, had a problem with an Ikea product. Go figure, right? An Ikea product mm. uh, that was literally <laughs> destroyed by 
by a simple rainstorm. And, um, and I, I uh, called them, no response. So I went out through Twitter and I said, listen, I, this is my frustration with you. They responded pretty immediately. Uh, the only problem is that they responded uh, through the Indigo, the chapter's Twitter account. And then, oh, they, then, they, then they took it, then they, then they again sent it and, and uh, through the uh, IKEA account. So obviously they've outsourced their, uh, their social media to a company that is in charge of Indigo chapters and IKEA. And, and whoever was responding made a mistake and sent mm. it through the Indigo. So almost immediately, you know, uh, that simple mistake, you know, moved IKEA down a considerable amount. I don't care if you're outsourcing it, but at least, you know, the, the perception is that you're not. Uh, so, you know, I can see how these little, little small uh, interactions um, based on who you think I am as a business. Mm. And, and when you make a mistake like this, it has a huge, it has huge, huge ramifications oh, yeah. on me uh, thinking that, that I'm actually speaking to a human that can do something to influence something that has happened to me. So how do you guys, how do you guys uh, make it seem like that there's that this is such a seamless piece of business, even for the mm. small guys who often don't have the technology, the capability, the know-how or the understanding of what it is that they're what you know, why they're hiring you guys. Sure. Well, you know, I, I think part of it is having to be honest with your customers as well. And and what I mean here is the examples you're giving are ones where you know, you're a little disappoint, be, uh, disappointed because you thought there was an individual, but there really isn't. It's an automated system or it's an outsourced uh, uh, company doing this work. The examples that don't come up as often or, or, or yet at the same time are, are, are hugely successful are Netflix or Amazon. No one ever... Uh, thinks that netflix is actually sitting there curating your what? results for you i know forget shocker, it right <laughs> let's cancel that subscription and yell at them. <laughs> exactly i'm just sending but, them know, a tweet but... right now <laughs> what there's no person behind the scenes um but it's a good example where where we we know it's algorithmic but we're still happier with yeah, it and we're making better lists or check, I, I would i would say like so i have kids right so that's mm -hmm. another you know i have i have kids that that love two things Pokemon and Minecraft, right? Mm. And Furbies. <laughs> I like your kids. Right, yeah. Like, you know, <laughs> Pokemon and Minecraft. And I don't really like those. But because mm. I'm searching through something like Amazon for Pokemon and Minecraft, what do you think I'm getting as a recommendation every time I go in there? The emails that come to me are for Pokemon and Minecraft books, right? Sure. Or paraphernalia or stuffies. And I no, I am a 44-year-old man. I do not need <laughs> a, a Pokemon stuffy. So... Well, there is this, there, there's an easy way to game this. And, and I always worry about this because we're going to talk about mobile in a second. But when you take that data that, that Amazon's been collecting for its entire life about me, mm -hmm. which is mm -hmm. weird, right? It goes from Bruce Springsteen to Pokemon and Minecraft. And, and probably, you know, we, we bought a bunch of books on uh, interior design, right? I have no mm. interest in that, but my wife does. So you have that picture that is not really me. And then it triggers something on a mobile device that has nothing to do with me. That's a sure. big turnoff. So how do you clean that data based on a purchase history that I'm doing it for my entire family? Mm. Uh, you know, that's actually one of the biggest challenges. Um, not only that, but then you also have multiple devices, for example, which, again, from a mobile perspective, what you're browsing on your mobile device might not be tied back to what you're actually doing on your computer. Right. Whole other slew of issues. You know, again, ultimately, it boils down to: Does it still drive more revenue? I will always bring it back to that. Because, you are a again, capitalist that, bastard. That's my exact ruthless <laughs> right entrepreneur right here. But I think it is a very important part: is 
those mistakes do happen, but do they still grow your revenue? The other thing I'll say is this is still a very, very young industry. I mean, the whole predictive big data space, depending how you define it, you know, has been around for only a few years, maybe a decade if you're being generous. Mm -hmm. So things, for example, Amazon is playing around with. You could actually log in and say, you know, these purchases were made as gifts. Don't include them in future recommendations. Netflix allows you to have multiple profiles. So now you might share the same account, yeah. but... It's not perfect, but they're trying to figure this stuff out. So they're, you know, because you're right, you don't want to have an experience where the next, every time you walk by a, a Pokemon shop or something, <laughs> you're, you're getting, you, yeah, exactly, right? Um, but uh, My kids but would like that to happen, though. <laughs> I never thought well, you of know that. What, <laughs> Ideally, you can track both and just only when you're with your kids, you get those deals and the kids get them and they're encouraged to say specific things to you to get you to buy them, right? What a world that would be. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that that's what happens when I give them devices and they start texting me, dad, dad, dad. <laughs> but that's a, it's a very interesting uh, approach because will we ever see a time with, with what you guys are doing at Canopy or anybody, mm. will we ever see a time where it's smart enough to understand that those purchases, I like, you know, I know that I can go in and customize them and I, this happens to me all the time. So the gap and, um, and banana Republic here's an old Navy, a perfect example, right? Is that they lump everybody into a, into one category, which is email marketing, right? So it's, mm -hmm. it's so broad. And, and, mm -hmm. uh, and I complained many times to them, like just, I wanted to see what their reaction was is that, listen, I'm a man, stop sending me pictures of dresses, right? Mm. And, what uh, did they say? Well, and they responded, well, you can go onto thegap.com, log into your account, customize that email to say that you're a man. And I'm like, well, so that defeats the purpose, right? Uh, you know, sure. I've, I've purchased there. There's a history. There's all of these things. I've never once clicked on a woman's dress, but I've many times clicked on a man's shirt, right? So there's inference that can be done there. Do we ever get to the point where the, the data is smart enough to realize that I am, in fact, a man versus a woman? Mm. And and based on, on a non-behavior as a subtle key, as, as opposed to tracking a click, but tracking the non-behavior, the non-reaction. Like, how does data get smarter here so that it becomes easier? I don't want to go to a website site to customize. Sure. I, you know what? I think the data collection is already there. And, and you raise a really good example. One of the retail companies we work with, that's exactly what we've been doing for them. They include different brands in the emails they send. And for us, when you click on an offer for a certain brand, it reinforces your relationship with that brand. If you don't click on a certain brand, it essentially puts you almost as if you're saying something negative about them so that we, over time, are able to send emails with only brands that you're actually engaging with. So it's, it's, it's possible to do. There will always be examples and situations where it's not perfect though of course right again you're looking for gifts you end up clicking on blouses and then for the <laughs> next little while um you're getting information about that instead one of the things that we encourage and this is something we play around with with within every single company we work with is 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 putting a time limit on the data that you're using because even pokemon is a good example here right like, Your putting kids are an gonna... like an expiration date on the data Exactly. Your kids will grow out of those, you know, the Pokemon phase, I imagine, one maybe. day. Um, maybe. Yeah, that, well, that you, is a pretty strong... <laughs> but there are parents of kids or of adults who are still selling Pokemon in these stores, right? So you never know, right? But I'm hoping hey, that's that they... That's a bad are, example. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Pokemon is not... And Minecraft, I don't think that there is an age limit. So, uh, yeah, yeah, but that's there, true there is well. a time where your kids will grow out of diapers, right? There you go. Exactly. And so, number one, you could also have hypotheses ahead of time by observing other individuals and other customers that, you know, after two years of buying diapers, they stop buying diapers or something or stop buying a certain size of diapers. Um, so there's you could use that information to start personalizing the results. Alternatively, just say, you know, 
only recommend things based on what you've observed in the last six months or 12 months. It varies by industry, right? A professional sports team that we work with might want to look at three years of data because it's such a seasonal industry. Uh, a pharmacy we work with, on the other hand, might want to look only at four weeks of data because your health can change so quickly that anything beyond that might not be as relevant. Right. Um, that's actually one of the things, I, that's to me one of the most exciting things about this industry. And again, what I get excited about with Canopy is today a lot of that has to be done manually with a lot of statistics tools, we've built something that allows you to auto, that essentially customizes those models to your business so it learns what time frame is the best. And I mean, we're still early stage in that stuff. What's going to be possible in two or three years, let alone a decade? Who knows? Well, yeah, because there's, I mean, the massive, all, all we're doing is increasing the, the input mechanisms, aren't we now with mobile devices? And, but, you know, one of the, one of the, it sounds to me that, that the, the, the focus of what you guys are doing uh, you know, there's outbound marketing, right? Which is mail, email, mass mailing, all that kind of stuff. Um, and and that one of the goals could be to attract new customers, right? So brand yep. new customers. And there's always a huge cost with attracting new customers. But but you're you're focused exclusively on the on what on on finding uh, on increasing revenue from existing customers, getting them to, to buy one more piece of clothes, one more ticket, one more something, right? That they've already purchased. Is that where you focus? That's, uh, I, I'll say it a little more broadly, which is on people that already exist in your system. Okay. So they might have bought before or they might be subscribing to your email list but never purchased. But they're people that exist. Gotcha. We're not going to go out and help a business grow its market. We're going to help a business optimize on the market it's already captured. So like a typical customer for you, um, I mean, what's the impact that, that could be expected from, from doing what you're doing? If you can speak broadly about... Sure. You know, typically... Um, when we start working with a company and we know very little about them, but they have the data, we aim for a 10% uh, improvement in revenue, average order value, or whatever other metric they're optimizing for. Typically, it's something revenue-based, but it doesn't have to be. Um, we like that because it also makes us feel like we're actually contributing to the sustainability of the, the businesses we work with. Um, and 10% in some cases is low. We've seen it go up 20 30%. Um, and it's really because... People want that personalized experience. Um, one of the one of our more public uh, case studies is the Canadian Opera Company. Um, so we work with them actually in a very interesting way that incorporates mobile, which is when you're going to the opera just after intermission, you get an email from them um, that's powered through our system that's asking you to rate the, the opera. Now, after intermission, you can't actually open the email because you'll get kicked out of the show. So you really only get it, you only open it once you're leaving the performance. Based on your rating and then based on what you do on the website, we score those individuals to, for likelihood to donate or purchase future opera tickets. And the next morning, literally less than 13, 14 hours after uh, you've seen the performance, you're, you're going to get a phone call from someone at the Canadian Opera Company if you're judged as being a high priority lead. In that situation, we've seen conversion rates go from 15% to about 50% when we score someone a priority. I mean, it's a completely new way of, of selling. It's a completely new way of optimizing the sales process, I should say. All the individual pieces are still more or less the same. It's just the data. But I guess the difference is, is that they're not calling 1,000 people because exactly. I, all 1,000 don't fit the profile. They're, they're calling the 20 that they've determined are the ones that will be most likely to, to donate or to come back, right? That's correct. Exactly. Uh, what, we're, we're a little more subtle in that we rank them. So if you have the time to call 100 or 1,000, well, go for it. Here's the ranking to use. But if you can only call the 20, these are the ones to call. The nice thing, too, the implicit benefit to it, to it, which is related to your earlier comments, is the people who don't want to get a phone call don't get a phone right. call. 
which makes them a lot happier to run, right? Well, it saves money, it saves time, it saves frustration. You're not leaving them with a bad brand taste in their mouth like, oh, capitalist pig, I just was there last <laughs> night, right? So, exactly. you know, it's one of those things that, but you want to strike when the, when the iron is hot. And, and I think that that's, that's a good balance. You know, and this is really, you know, bringing mobile into this conversation, mm. which is where we want to spend some time on. You know, um, I often talk about this whole concept of the way that we, we're marketing in mobile right now. And, and we are, we're marketing, um, you, you know, one-on-one in a mass market. Right. So no longer is it a good idea simply to blast out email to everybody uh, on your mailing list or no longer is it a good idea to just give everybody the same SMS uh, coupon or discount or code um, because people are in different spots, different mm-hmm. different frames of mind and different buying behaviors or patterns at this point. Um, so that that's ultimately what you what you've done with the opera uh, company, because you instead of you rank them and you say, instead of calling all thousand or sending them a blank message to all thousand, you're tailoring each one to the ones that are going to uh, react the best. And I think that that's what the greatest power of mobile is mm-hmm. to take data and, and dummy it down to the point where you know exactly who to reach, when to reach and why you should reach them in the mechanism. So whether that be email, whether that be an SMS or a phone call, the, the mechanism with which they reach. So how do you guys dive into this or do you dive into this uh, in, into the mobile world right now? You know, uh, absolutely. So I'll, I'll even talk about it at a higher level for a minute because I feel there's two things that really drive conversions, whether that's through mobile, through web, through other things. The first is relevance. So are you telling me something that's relevant to my needs, interests, wants, etc.? Yep. And the second is momentum. And what I mean by momentum is, is are you actually building a relationship and building on top of what we already have as a consumer company uh, relationship? The reason the opera company does so well in this regard, I would say, is that they're calling the people who are most interested as soon as possible. You, you still haven't recovered from Madame Butterfly and you're already getting an offer to go to the next performance. How Wojciech, awesome Wojciech, I, I, I saw that 22 <laughs> years ago. I haven't recovered from it still. There you go. You see, unforgettable. <laughs> so they'll, they'll call you tomorrow. I'll go let them know. Unforgettable. Um, Unforgettable <laughs> in one way, I suppose. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Don't get them to call me. That's it. Okay. Carry on. I'm <laughs> Duly sorry. Noted. Yeah. No worries. But, you know, and, and, and the momentum plus relevance piece, I think, is even more important in the mobile space. Geofencing, beacon technologies. When you're walking around a certain mall, the opportunity to actually uh, get an offer that's relevant to you and, and builds on the fact that you're already there in the mall or near the store is a huge opportunity. The biggest challenge for retailers, I would say, is, is making sense of the data in the first place. Uh, people know the web. They get the web. We've been browsing the web for 20 years now. Um, we know what metrics make sense. I say we as you know, as a society here or as a group of uh, business owners. I don't think people have really quite figured that out yet with, within the mobile space. You know, what is a good, should you be messaging people every time they walk by your store? Maybe that's a bad idea. Who knows? And I think that's where uh, companies like Canopy Labs and other startups in the space really come in is we get to see how people use this sort of data across industries and across geographies. We're starting to see what the best practices are. What's you know what's what's not creepy? What's too creepy? As you know, the example that we were discussing earlier, um, and I think that's really where uh, uh, there's a, a huge opportunity here. And also, I would say an opportunity for for analytics because every person is different. You know, you going with your your kids walking by a toy store, very different experience than 
than you walking by yourself on the way home from work. So what can we use from a modeling perspective to actually build that? Well, the data is there, right? It's all on your mobile phone. It's all uh, 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 sitting, whether they're Wi-Fi tracking or using something more complex. How do you use it? That's the big question. Yeah, like it strikes me like that example of the bookstore is a perfect example is that, um, uh, you know, if by chance, and I'm not saying that this is happening, but it is. Mm hmm. <laughs> uh, you're tracked somehow. There's a very smart toy store that tracks um, uh, your unique ID uh, as you mm -hmm. walk past every single time. And they notice that twice a day you walk past it at, you know, 840 and uh, 510. Every single mm -hmm. day you walk past. Uh, likelihood is that you're you're walking past to get somewhere like a bus stop, right? You're not. It's not a yep. destination. So you can't consider that a destination. But if you are there on a Saturday once every month and then you pass by it or you approach it or you're getting close, they know that perhaps you are... the the likelihood that you are going to them as a destination is much higher as a result, right? Sure. So, so those are the kind of patterns that you're starting to, you know, you know, build on on the consumers, right? That kind of stuff. It that exactly those are the sorts of opportunities that are open here I'll, I'll give you a few more examples that that are a little more academic but to me super exciting sure you know exactly what you say you walk by a store at 9 a.m and at 5 p.m you're probably on your way to work you walk by on a weekend that's different another example is you know usually now when people are are spending time with friends every single friend has a mobile phone or a smartphone of some sort so you could actually tell are you walking is the trajectory of your path alone are you walking by yourself or are you walking with a group of friends? Because if I'm a bar or if I'm a restaurant, sending a deal to you when, you know, hey, two for one drinks or, I don't know, three for five drinks or five for three drinks, I guess, would be the better deal. The opposite. Would <laughs> three be for five. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> there you go, right? So... That, that might... You know what? If, if that works, though, then, hey, there's a whole new business model oh, right there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'll take it. Whatever. Exactly. But, you know, when you when when they observe the sort of a group of people walking together, the deals could be different. The, the speed at which you're walking could have an effect. Um, what we've seen in the past, especially within the mall situation, is, you know, there's people who are browsing, people who are using it as a shortcut here in the Eaton Center near uh, near near our office? Sometimes I use it as just a, a shortcut to get from point A to point B. Other times I'm browsing. My my speed is probably 50% of what it is otherwise. And yeah, you know what? If you interrupt me at that time, then I'll probably be interested. If you could merge that data, now here's what's really cool. If you could merge that data with what people do online. If I already know that you're walking by my store and there have been three times that you've already browsed, you know, the the Bluetooth speakers or something, but you've never bought them online and you just happen to be walking by, what a great time to talk to a sales associate, you know? Well, why haven't you bought them? Or even simply to use it as a survey mechanism, right? It's you might not sell at that time, but you'll know what will it take us to get you to make that purchase. All of that is is a huge opportunity. Yeah, I mean, it gets me excited, but uh, like I'm I'm grinning because I. I I have this vision in my head in the Eaton Center. It's a big mall. Mm. And, and you know, with that that multi-screen data, which is the biggest challenge, right? Because there's no mm -hmm. real cookie that transfers. You know, you have to be using somebody's app, you know, or a browser, sure. for example. Like, so you use Safari or Chrome on the device and it can track mm. your... your um, your history right across all these devices but i just picture this you know these uh like you know the best buy runners right okay mm. okay there's rob <laughs> over there he looked at bluetooth speakers go 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 get him right go get and, him. And, and, you, and the guy runs out over there. hey rob the bluetooth speaker. Net drops. Oh, exactly right it's like, come in and they hook you and they bring you in like so it can get a little it can get i hope it doesn't get to that point but it get a little bit creepy that's the vision i have in my head like little guys in blue and yellow shirts chasing people down in the in the eaton center because they looked at bluetooth speakers like four years ago but 
I, I, like, I, I like that whole tailored uh, approach, but that subtlety is what's got to be there. You can't have the guys yeah. chasing somebody down in, in, in a mall. You have to be able to uh, be opportunistic, right? And opportunistic on a global scale. That's where it comes to this mass marketing on a one-to-one -one scale, right? Is that yeah. it's, there could be four of us walking, not together, but each one of us has looked at something different in that store. And, and each one of us at that moment would get a prompt for a different product or a different incentive, right? And that's what it is. It's mass marketing, but one-to-one, -one, right? And it, that's, exactly. that's a hard thing to fathom on two accounts. One, to pull that data together to make it really relevant. Uh, which just takes time. And the other thing is to kind of overcome this this concept that we're being spied on, watched consistently, sure. right? So um, uh, how do you how do you how do you overcome that? Do you do you do you worry about that? Uh, so the data piece doesn't worry us because no, that's what that's we what love. You do. I mean, yeah. that's exactly on 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 the second piece, though, it is something that needs to be approached uh, in a sensitive way. Um, you know, every, uh, the, the ironic thing is you could actually use mathematical models to see which people are going to be most open to personalized offers. <laughs> <I love it. laughs> right. So there's, you know, there's an angle there that you could be using. At the same time, I think uh, when it, when I think about it from a physical retail perspective or or a mobile commerce perspective, a big part of it will also be um, slowly personalizing these channels. So rather than today you're coming in and, and nothing's personalized and tomorrow things are dropping, alarms are ringing, exactly <laughs> everything is done. That, that's probably going to be more disconcerting than anything else. Um, the way I see it is, you know, first it'll be a few SMS messages here and there, even to test whether people even engage with them in the first place. I mean, people read the SMSs, but it doesn't mean they use them and, and buy thanks to them. Um, when we go to the, the the various retail conferences we attend, you know, we're starting to see things like digital uh, displays within stores. So maybe there's an opportunity there all of a sudden where you actually have the person who's browsing in the store to opt into a personalized message on a digital display board, for example, where you're asking for their permission implicitly. In the long run, I think the regulatory landscape will change quite a bit as well. In Canada, we have Castle and in the US now for a while, we've had the can spam laws. Mm -hmm. You know, I think, you know, it's, it's not like tomorrow we're going to be spammed through mobile. Um, those are things that I think the regulations will change with time as well um, to make it more of a manageable experience for consumers and a more comfortable one. Um, but it's it's an area that, you know, it's it's uh, one thing I'll say for all the business owners that, that that watch your show too is a lot of it is 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 being ethical and and putting yourself in the in the place of the consumer because if as as soon as one business does something extremely aggressive and completely scares the heck out of everybody you'll also ruin it for everyone right and it's and 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 that's why it's so important to be sensitive to your consumers is that is that what you would consider the biggest challenge for this kind of uh, acceptance on a mobile device because mobile mobile really does we you know we we touched on a little bit is the data inputs that mobile gives you are staggering mm -hmm. right yeah and yeah. it's not because you get to see the behaviors how many phone calls who you're calling where you're calling the the browsing history is just a piece of it when it comes to web browsing on on, on a mobile device then it's mm -hmm. app consumption it's it's location it's everything it's you know it, now it's going to be moving into loyalty and payments right uh sure. you know certainly with what apple's doing and fitness so you get a, a complete understanding you're, you're going to get this 360 degree view of a human then you you connect that to iplay for example uh in a car or Ford Sync in a car, and all of a sudden now you're carrying what it is that the baggage that you had in your phone into the car, and then when you start to move into connected homes, right? So there's going to be a trail. There's going to be a trail that all of a sudden is now very clear, and and you know millions and millions of data points every single day 
And that's not even external sensors, right? So, mm -hmm. you know, the biggest challenge I'd say is that you, you have all this data and everybody wants to collect and hoard, but but is is that realistic? Is that the biggest challenge? Is making sure that you can find that one data point that is the most relevant to the customer? Well, I think, uh, to be honest, it will be making uh, sense of the noisy data and the data that's actually helpful. I think that's that will be a big part of it because mm -hmm. to your point, if let's say I, I have my quantified self tools and I've got my home monitoring me, all of that probably won't affect which books I read. Maybe to some extent, <laughs> some books, but but whether I read Isaac Asimov or Cory Doctorow, I don't know. It'll probably still be one of the two regardless of what my Fitbit tells me. Um, and I think, you know, every business is There's not going to be a correlation, you think, between how many steps I take and what my favorite author is? Like, you know, somebody will come up with that algorithm, right? <laughs> well, you know, un unless you buy a lot of books on walking. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's the key indicator, right? Is it exactly. steps, walking books. It's a genius <laughs> There movie. you go, yeah. right? But, but I think, um, you know... Uh, what 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 will be interesting to me? There's sort of two 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 things that will really have an impact on how businesses can use this. One is how openly is this data shared, or how easy is it for a, a third-party retailer to access that data? We started with the Interact example, right? Um, when it comes to Interact, they have a view of all of the different transactions that you've made, but an individual retailer does not. Mm -hmm. They only have the transactions you've made with that retailer. Right. What will happen when your home is monitoring your or with your mobile phone? Maybe you could, maybe you own that data and you could share it. You know, there's a lot. No one's figured that out yet, and I think those are business opportunities that can also be uh, explored by by new startups or companies altogether. Um, and and that that will have a big impact. The second as well is I think. Uh, the way I view it is encouraging customers or consumers to take an active role in curating that data. So we mentioned the example of Amazon and Netflix where you can start saying, oh, that was uh, something I watched with friends or that was a gift, so don't include that in my recommendations. You know, Google does something similar with search results personalization. I think it would be really, really amazing for, for me as a consumer if I could log in and say, you know, some of this data, don't include it because that's that's too personal or that's not what I, I want, uh, you know, uh, the bookstore seeing or whoever else. Um, on the other hand, this other data, I want the, you know, I, I want every retail to know that, that I like technology and that I'm into quantified self and I like data mining because if it means you make better recommendations for me or you tell me about new devices, you know what, I will probably buy them. And I understand that and that's great. Um, but give me that choice so that it's it's that you're essentially empowering me rather than spying on me behind my back. And I think that's that's really that that distinction will become more and more important in the mobile space, more so than any other space. I really like that. I like the idea of owning your data. We all do. And being able to to. Uh, lease or sell that data to the appropriate person so that they can reach you, right? So um, instead of advertising, selling advertising and buying advertising for television networks, it's, no, I will. Mm -hmm. You can make a bid on on my demographic. I'm mm -hmm. this old, and this is my income. And if you want my data, it's going to cost you this much, right? Or or, sure. or some kind of exchange of goods. I don't know if that's if that's possible, but then you have data pimps. One day, I'm sure. All these things. <laughs> what about uh, what about the psychology of buying, right? So. 
You know, there is a there's a lot of data on this. And, and certainly when, you know, uh, entire grocery stores are built on psychology, right? The, mm -hmm. the fact that most people turn right instead of left when they come into a grocery store, the uh, impulse buys in the cashier at the cashier. And, you know, if we're doing away with cashiers at some point, that, that kind of gets disbanded. You know, the healthy foods around the outer ring, the not so healthy foods in the middle of the aisles, right? Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, that's why they put milk in the far corner. So you get to the far corner of the grocery store and that's where the clothes are right in front mm -hmm. of them. So, you know, there's a psychology to this. But, you know, people go to the grocery store, they go to baseball stadiums with, with intent, right? So I'm going to the grocery store to buy, I've gone to a baseball stadium. And so I'm, I'm more open to messages at that moment because you know my intent. I'm here to watch a baseball game. I need a hot dog and a beer, right? Yeah. I'm going to buy a baseball cap and a jersey and a flag and a big freaking hand that claps, right? <laughs> people are more open to buying at that moment. So how do you bring that in? to day-to-day -day life. I mean, because there are certain times where I'm very open to buying and there are certain times that even though my behavior, my history might tell you that I'm open to buying, my mind is shut at that moment, right? I've just got yeah. some bad news and it stopped me dead in my tracks, whatever it might be. How do you bring in the psychology of buying to what you're doing to marry the data to really make that magic moment happen where it's like, how did you know me so well, Walmart? <laughs> I love yeah. you, right? How does that, how does that happen? You know, a big part of it is is tracking engagement and trying to understand when people read emails, when they're open to these things. Um, one of the biggest opportunities for us when we work with companies is determining what's the best time to send an email to mm -hmm. an individual. Um, some people read their emails at work. Some people do not. Um, call centers are the same things. I have a similar problem. We actually see this with sports quite a bit is if you're calling people, some people gave you their work number and they want to be interrupted at work. Other people <laughs> gave their home number and they actually cannot pick up the phone physically. It's impossible for them to pick up if you're calling them during work hours. I think that, um, uh, you know, I, I, we think about it less from a psychological perspective and more uh, literally just tactically, when do you get those best response rates? And every single person is different. Mm -hmm. The beautiful thing about something like email or phone calls is, you know, the literally every single attempt is tracked. So you might have received 60 emails in the last two months. We know what time you've opened them at. So maybe it's better to email you at those times that you're opening these emails instead of the times we typically sent them. Um, and the nice thing about personalization technology is that you can actually do that to every individual. Historically, it's been great. This segment, email them at this time, even though every single person is different there. And with mobile, I think, again, this is where you get into a whole new other level. Geofencing is the best opportunity here, right? It's you're literally in an area, you're typically at work, you're not at work. Let's call you then or let's email you then. SMS, whatever. You know, it, it, and I agree, but there's, the, I always think that there's got to be, maybe I'm, I look too much into it. I spend so much time thinking about this. And, and, and I think that, you know, there is that moment where it's like, I, I come back to the Gap and Banana Republic because they do just such a poor job of marketing mm. through email, right? Mm. What they do is spam. And, and they mm. spam everybody at the same time. We all get these emails at like six in the morning, right? Every one of us. And if you're on all three mailing lists, you get them all at the same time. And it's just sure. competing for your view. And then not only that, it's HTML laden. It's rich, rich, rich emails that don't show up on, mm. a, uh, on, a, on a device very well, right? It's pinch and zoom. And it's just like they don't get it at mm. all. So, you know, I always have that is that they've, they've, they've split up the demographic, but I always wish, I just hope that at some point, someday, you know, there's this moment where everything has come together in this perfect, like one little like light or one little star where it just goes, mm. it, like it goes bing and I get the appropriate message. You just the best message you could possibly send to me at the best time. And all of a sudden it's like, yeah, I'm buying right then and there. Yeah. And well, 
So yeah, answer that. Yeah. Yeah, I'll I'll, I'll give you two examples sure. actually. One that just shows uh, how simple how even simple data and questions can empower a business and the other actually speaks to your your point as well. It might be the case that a lot of these companies don't even know how people are interacting with their emails because that's one of the the the, the retailers we work with. I, re- I remember this uh, about a year ago. They said, "Look, our open rates are dropping. We don't know why. There, it's you know, we haven't changed anything about our emails. Uh, the offers are the same. What's going on?" And obviously, we dug into it and we saw, well, nothing's changing on your end, but on your consumers' uh, customer end, they're exactly right. They're moving from a big screen, uh, you know, at home to a mobile device. And your emails, well, we don't know. Maybe they're unwieldy. Maybe they're cluttered. We don't know what it is, but that's something that's been changing. And they said, wow, like we never even thought to ask this question. Because, you know, the guys are coming in every day and they're doing their jobs and, and, and there was no initiative to look at this stuff. So so uh, that's, that's one of the biggest challenges we find, whether, uh, in, in fact, in this case is um, – the industry is moving so fast. The technologies are changing. Literally every every quarter you hear an announcement about something new that, you know, when you have a large business that needs to plan these things two years in advance, I mean, I, I feel I feel bad for them because it's hard. Like, it, there's just no way around it. You have to be more agile when it comes to these things. But I'll give you an example that's a lot more positive as well. This is, this is actually one of the very first things we did. We worked with a bank to help them uh, find opportunities for investment products. People that had a lot of uh, 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 you know, funds in their in their checking accounts or their savings accounts to try and sell them something a little more advanced. Well, I'm looking for and, sponsors, man. So uh, if you could just can we I'll, can we work well, that? Well, in? Well, you know what? We'll tweak your specific model score. <laughs> okay, fine. We, we don't do that. <laughs> but um, Yes, they do. Yeah, they will for me. <laughs> but one of the things that we found in, in, in this situation was actually the exact response that you're, you're, you're suggesting is someone from the bank would call and say, hey, we've noticed that you, know, you have this much in your checking account. Did you know we have a plan for people who don't need to use their cash in the same way and and that could get a better interest rate or, or whatever else. And literally that was the the response they would get on the phone is, wow, like I can't believe you're calling me and doing me this favor. Like like because we don't you don't have to do it. I don't even know if it actually helps the bank from a profitability perspective, but from a customer experience perspective, they say exact huge. Um and and that is I, I think you know and if it's done right it, it's it's just I mean those are people that that one phone call once a year or once a decade in some cases is all it takes for them to remember why would I switch these guys called me proactively to do me a favor yeah. how nice is that um, when was the last time your, when was the last time your carrier did that <laughs> just no one call <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly instead of hey you're late pay us or we'll cut you off right, right? <laughs> But but you're right. But that that kind of trigger is exactly what you need, and and um and it might not it might not get them to buy anymore. But the the key here is that it it means that they won't leave you, right? Which is retention is the key as well. You're huge, oh, so huge, important. Huge. And just so just important. You know, to finish the thought on email is that uh, hey, listen, I'm gonna I'm gonna be as as uh, as blunt as I can be is that uh, well over seventy percent of emails now are primarily opened up on a mobile device. It's over 70% of your customers. So if you are not thinking about this, just put the phone down. Your number one mobile strategy should be to make sure that your email is accessible and readable on a mobile device. That's, oh, that's yeah. a strategy. Go and do it. Free advice. 
and I fully agree with you. Oh, <laughs> uh, Wojciech, this has been great. Before I let you go, though, I have to, uh, I got to know, uh, um, is there anything that's inspired you? What companies are you looking at right now that you think, God, I wish I opened, I, I wish I'd started? Or you know, do you have an app on your, dev- on your device that you like, uh, you are, you are so addicted to these days? Is there, is there something that you can provide to, uh, to the listeners, viewers here? A little bit about you or a book, even a recommendation. A book. That you Who oh reads my books gosh. anyways? Who reads books? You know what? Actually, the, the the book thing. So this morning I was reading uh, Zero to One by oh, Peter yeah. Thiel, yeah. Uh, which just released actually I think a day ago or so, which uh, uh, is, is an interesting uh, Well, you have critique. a history with Peter Thiel, don't you? Well, Velar Ventures, one of his funds is an investor in us. So I am a little biased and, and, and absolutely. But, uh, you know, I think uh, uh, one of the things that he talks about in this book, which I think is really important, particularly in the mobile space now, is the difference between incremental innovation and doing something that's just completely outright crazy. Right. I think there's a lot of opportunities for incremental in- innovation here, and that's what we're seeing. But the fact that we will be fully connected, we're going to have devices speaking to each other in ways that we could never imagine five or ten years ago. I mean, the thing that really is even more exciting is 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 the new ideas, the new technologies that can be invented. Extremely more risky, but you know, it's it's those that it, it excites me. It's just fascinating, and I I in fact I'd love to hear what all your viewers have to say about that because I'm sure they're all starting different businesses and opportunities now that could completely change the world. It's a great book. I, that's the one that I just literally fresh in my mind that I highly recommend. Peter Thiel, yeah, I've heard some great things. I've listened to some podcasts with him on um, talking about his book and, and the concepts are very interesting. And mm-hmm. the fact that, you know, zero to one is true innovation and, and one to N is globalization, right? Is, is that exactly. whole concept. So very, very cool. Wojciech, I can't thank you enough for doing this. It's been a great conversation. Uh, I, I've enjoyed it immensely. Hopefully you have. But, Absolutely, uh, this was fun. Good, and hopefully those folks listening and watching have as well. Uh, where should we send people to go find more information about what you are up to? Absolutely, canopylabs.com, all one word, the way you spell it. Uh, check it out. We've got tons of resources there for anyone looking to learn more about analytics or uh, big data. Looking big forward data. to he- hearing from you guys. Yeah, if you have any comments or questions about this, I'm sure that Wojciech would uh, love to hear from you. You can find information about how to contact Wojciech on, at canopylabs.com. Dot com. What's your Twitter handle there, uh, Wojciech? Do you, are you on Oh, it's, it's Wojciech. So people can probably spell that <laughs> right perfect. away, right? <laughs> there's like, there's like a, a W and an I before the E in there. Uh, um, go ahead, well, spell it. I'll, I'll spell it out. Yeah, it's W-O-J-C-I-E-C-H. That's the Twitter handle. Uh, definitely feel free to follow me or ask me any questions on there as well. Was it hard to get that one? Did you have to buy well, it from know, somebody? You know what? I, I, I will. It is actually one of the most popular names in Poland, but I, I was early on in, tw- in Twitter. I'm very proud of that, in fact. Just just your first name. Yeah, it's better than Rob Woodbridge. Trust me. It's a lot. Although it's it's longer, but it's maybe easier to spell. Anyways. Easier to spell. Wojciech, thank you so much for doing this. I really appreciate your time. Thank you as well. We've been speaking with uh, Wojciech Gritz. He's the CEO of Canopy Labs. Go to canopylabs.com. Check them out and then reach out to him at Ed Wojciech. He just spelled it for you. Um, but please, please thank him for being on the show. Let him know that you love this episode. Give him some feedback and also ask a few questions. Really appreciate it. For those of you who are still listening, watching, wherever you are, whatever you are doing, thank you so much. It means so much to me that you tune in this long, this late into the episode at this many times. Uh, I really, really, really appreciate it. We'll be back next time for another episode of Untether.tv. Thank you, Wojciech. Thank you.